0: who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50-plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365.
1: Wednesday morning, football fans, appreciate you streaming in here with Mac and Mac on Birds three sixty five on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Johnny Mac up and out early this morning to get the dog. What a beautiful day! What a beautiful morning this was when I got out earlier before seven o'clock, and I said, "Damn, this would be a great day for a football practice." Oh,
2: that's some guys. Some teams are practicing.
1: No kidding. No. That's why I brought it up. We know the Eagles are not. No mandatory minicamps. A lot of teams around the National Football League have mandatory minicamps. And you know you why. Know, I'm an old school guy who believes practice makes perfect and the Eagles doing less than more. Still kind of rubs me the wrong way, but I can't chirp too much about it because – I did it this way last year, went to a Super Bowl, and not everybody predicted that was going to be the case. So you have to give them the benefit of the doubt. Well, here's one good thing about the Eagles not having mandatory minicamp this week, John. Uh, nobody's a no-show, because there are a couple of guys around the National Football League that aren't in camp, mandatory yeah. mini this week. And if you don't have them, you don't have to worry about that at all, right, Johnny Mac?
2: That's a good point. You know, I, I uh, I'm trying to think. Um The Eagles wouldn't have anybody in that situation anyway. But, uh, yeah, I mean, that's an opportunity. You know, you're not holding out of voluntary work. So when people say hold out when guys don't show up, there's, there's evidence, you know, that they're not happy with their deals or whatever in certain situations. But mandatory is mandatory, and you get fined if you don't show up. So it's officially a holdout when guys under contract don't show up for mandatory minicamp and you've seen a handful uh, of guys uh, around the league sending a message that either they're not happy for whatever reason or looking for a trade, looking for a new deal. So uh, yeah, if you don't have mandatory camp, uh, and by the way, there are a couple teams canceled their mandatory camps as time went on. And I'm with you. I think, you know, I'm an old school guy. I agree with you. Practice makes perfect. Where I think we differ is you're not allowed to practice. So what's the point? That's where I think we oh, differ.
1: Well, well, be, choose your right carefully. You're not allowed to practice. Of course you are. There are teams having mandatory minicamps this week. But so they're, they're not football. I, 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 I go back to
2: Mike. Here's I, I, And I give Mike Garofalo the credit because he said it on this show and I loved it, and I've stolen it, but I'll give my credit. We don't play football in the spring. There's no pads. There's no nothing. There's no, you know, there's no contact. We don't play football in the spring. I remember way back, it's not way back, but the Ivy League was the first sort of domino of this. And they said, and I still remember the day clearly, and they said, They banned uh, uh, contact at at practice. And I said, well, this is stupid. Uh, I I mean, this is not football. But they're, as usual, with the smart guys, they're ahead of the curve. And now everybody does it, and it's just a part of – and and, and now already people don't even think about it. But – and again, Mike, we do not play football in the spring. They don't play football. So that's where I think that if if they could practice, I agree with you 110%, which is not a real number, but you get my point. Mm -hmm. I agree with you wholeheartedly. And I think we would have a better product. And I think all this stuff, but there's negative ramifications. You'd have more injuries. Uh, uh, Chuck Clark, your guy sort of tore his ACL. i sort of tore his ACL. Uh, with the Jets, uh, that's why they went out and got Adrian Amos. Now that kind of stuff happens, but you 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 go back and forth and you say, what's the cost benefit analysis? And they are where they are. They collectively bargained it, and you're not allowed to do football. So, you
1: no,
2: know, who cares?
1: Right. Well, put my hand. No, up. I yeah. care. Uh, so there are three potential things we're talking about here playing football, a.k.a. practicing, helmets, scrimmaging, what we uh, have known forever to be playing football, working together, doing drills, seven-on-sevens, the activities that the Eagles did last week, or shutting it down and doing nothing. If number one is no longer available, as you and Mike Garofalo point out and want to harp on, there's no such thing as playing football in the spring. Okay, then you're down to two choices. If you say choice number one is no longer available, you can't do it, you choose choice three, which is do nothing, take downtime, don't get together, don't work on skills, don't do anything. I'm going to take my second choice rather than my last choice. I'd rather see the team be together, work on things, more film, st- whatever it is other than playing football, at least if they're doing it together, I think they're getting something out of it and I'd rather get something out of it this week than not.
2: Well, that part I agree with. I, I think the structure, especially with the young players, is important. I think being in the building is important. And that's where I would push back against the Eagles a little bit. You know, we talked about Jalen Carter. What can they do with Jalen Carter? Well, not much, but if you keep them around for another right. week, that's uh, another way you have them
1: come in into the building during yeah. the day, then not at all structure.
2: That's what I'm taught. Talk- I think, especially with younger people, it's very, very important. So that's where I agree with you that there's room for pushback. And I think this is allowed. And even if you're doing it as, as. You know, obviously, from the Eagles' standpoint, the meetings and the and, and the technique work is more important. Now, the Eagles would have to open up the practices, which they don't want to do uh, because it's league mandated rules. So that enters into it. But yeah, I think if I were the Eagles, I've said it consistently. I haven't changed. I would use every available um, um, session I I I was allowed because of that structure that part i agree with that the actual practicing uh, i mean it is what it is
1: If, if it's collectively bargained away there is nothing you can do about it yeah some teams try and they get called on the carpet and they end up getting fined and punished so yeah i'm not looking for the eagles to do that i'm just saying time spent in the building is good and the Eagles choose to do less than more but this week they've got no drama when some teams around the NFL do because of guys not showing up for quote unquote mandatory mini camps one of which and and give me a rules uh, explanation on this I, I think I know but I'm not 100 so I uh, give give uh, to your expertise. Uh, Saquon Barkley certainly didn't show at the Giants mini camp. They slapped the franchise tag on him during this off season. They've been talking about it, a contract extension. They've got till July 17th. They got another month that you have to get it done by. If you don't get it done by July 17th, then uh, you can't do an extension. It's either you play on the uh, tender or, or you don't play at all. Uh, and they haven't made near enough progress of getting a deal done. So, uh, Saquon was a no show at mandatory mini camp this week. Now he can't be fined,
2: can he? No, he's not under contract. So right. he's technically a free agent. So uh, now he's fine. He's not holding out technically. Uh, he hasn't signed his contract. Uh, now we all know nobody's going to um, offer what it would take to sign an offer sheet or anything of that nature, which the window has passed anyway. But um, that, that position's interesting. And I'm going to be interested to to talk about that with our new guest today about the devaluation of that position as a whole, but no, to your point, he's not under contract. um, And unless he signs that franchise, if he signed that tender and didn't show up, he could be fine. But obviously, you know, He's not that <laughs> dumb. So um he doesn't have to show up and he's not showing up.
1: Right. Uh and that is a kind of a key component to the Giants this year, who of course the Eagles got to play twice. They've owned of late. And without Saquon Barkley, I don't give the Giants much of a chance. I don't give the Giants much of a chance to beat the Eagles this year either way, but without Barkley, that would be a big problem for the Giants. And yeah, he was one of the guys around the league who held out. Uh speaking of yesterday, when we had these holdouts and like. At least the first time I got a chance to see it via social media, the Eagles gave out championship rings.
2: Yeah, NFC championship
1: rings. Yeah. And they did so without a ceremony, without holding up a game, without pomp and circumstance like the Phillies did this year, because the two Philadelphia teams got to the exact same point last year to the championship round. And then both, unfortunately, came up short. Eagles lose the Super Bowl to the Chiefs and the Phillies lost uh, the World Series to the Houston Astros. Um, And I was down there this uh, past April when they gave out the Phillies championship rings on a Sunday afternoon uh, before the third game of the season. And it caused a little stir. Do you even celebrate a championship, uh, a conference championship? Does not mean anything? Uh, Is it okay? Are you holding your hand up and say, yes, we accept the participation trophy? I'm kind of in the middle on this. I think winning a conference championship, winning a league is an accomplishment. It's not the accomplishment, but it's a accomplishment. But how you turn around and celebrate that is cause for debate. And I thought it was a little over the top what the Phillies did. But the Eagles, yeah, did. I wouldn't they
2: celebrate play. it, but that's been going on for years, Jody. I mean, they've been giving out conference championship rings for since the beginning. I mean, I got to know all those old Vikings when I was in Minneapolis, and they got a bunch of them. I mean, from the 70s, uh, they never won the Super Bowl. Guys like Jim Marshall, I got to know and Paul Krause um, Chuck Foreman, they all got a bunch of them, uh, conference championship rings, uh, but. I they they never celebrated them. Um, they sort of just give them to the players. The weird thing about the Billies is they they kind of celebrated it. Oh, they did. Um, yeah, I so it's not rare for people that think it's rare. It's like I said, it's been going on since the 70s at least because I've seen them, uh, uh, and I've seen the players with them. Um, so it's not rare, but yeah, I, I'd never see anybody playing it up. Um, Whereas when the Eagles won the Super Bowl, obviously there was a big uh, celebration at the uh, what's what's now known as I think Viking Hall, but was ECW Arena for people that know that. Uh, They had a big celebration there to hand out uh, a party, uh, to hand out the rings and all that kind of stuff. So the Super Bowl rings are a big deal, but it's not like the Eagles are, you know, becoming a first team in handing out. If people want to go down that route, that's completely untrue. This is No, I was I was Eagle. just
1: comparing what the Eagles did to what the Phillies did, not yeah. the Eagles to any other football team. I like the fact that they did not make a big deal out of it. They honored their players. You have something that you can remember the season by. It was a phenomenal season. Some people think it's the best Eagles team of all time. they win the last game, but they... Modern they
2: era. I, I'm not going back to 1960 and Chuck Bednarik and all those guys, but uh, modern era. And certainly... Right. And by the way, we, I've asked a lot of people on the show, most of the guys who were there every day, I don't know anybody who disagrees with me. Um, Fletcher Cox disagrees. um, Howie Roseman disagrees. But I think they disagree for a purpose and saying the goal is the championship. Right. Um, And I think that's their mindset. Well, that team won the championship, so that team's better. They weren't. This team was better. This is the best team I've ever I've ever covered. Uh, last year's team and I covered the '98 Vikings, who were 15 and one and um, probably should have won the Super Bowl. Gary Anderson, the first perfect season, blah blah blah. Um, and that they were better than them. Um, yeah, that was a good team, and that's why it's so disappointing uh, when you get that close and you're that good. And they knew they were that good. That's the kind of the point. They knew how good they were, and. You get kicked down at the top of the mountain. You're right there. You're reaching for the flag, so to speak, and you get knocked off. And then you got to start all over again. That's whether you want to call it Super Bowl hangover, when you whether you want to call it human nature. That's going to be difficult getting over that hump.
1: Yeah, it's a bit of a semantical debate, uh, but I'm with Howie and and Fletcher on this one. First things first, you got to win the championship. Then you can compare championship teams to other championship teams and who had the better team and that brings into consideration who who, which was the better roster if you don't finish the deal then you're not in the conversation that's just different ways look at it i think you can absolutely say what was the better roster last year's roster was better than the 2017 roster therefore it makes it a better team that's not the way i look at it if you don't finish it off if you don't win that last game then that kind of eliminates you. Even if you have a more talented roster, you can acknowledge it's a more talented roster, but it wasn't a better team for me because the other one did finish the deal and and won that last game. So different ways of looking at the same thing. But I give the Eagles credit. First of all, it was a nice ring. Uh, The Phillies ring, if you didn't see it way back when in April when they gave out, a little ostentatious, a little over-the-top, a little bit much for yours truly. Eagles is a good, simple, stated, got everything you need in there. Sharp looking, but not outrageous ring. And I like the fact that they gave him out uh, kind of without making a big deal about it and gives the guy something to uh, certainly look forward to this year, getting an upgraded ring if they can actually win the last game of the season. He's John McMahon. I'm Jody McDonald. Magamac guys got two good guests for you today. Our usual early Wednesday contributor, that would be Mike Gill from the Sports Bash down the shore, ESPN 97.3. And then a little later on today, we're going to have Alex Vigderman on from Sports Information Solutions. If you uh, recognize that name, it's because uh, we got uh, Matt Manicharian on around draft time. Uh, He also works for Sports Information Solutions. The combination of analytics with scouting kind of like Pro Football Focus, uh, another company that does put out information and ratings and stuff like that. Um, they had a good uh, uh, article up on their website uh, just a couple of days ago uh, where D-backs ranked. And there was a big difference between where Darius Slay ranks via statistics and where he ranks via scouting. They just put one up yesterday about wide receivers. Sure enough, I asked Johnny Mac yesterday, is Devontae Smith in the top 10 yet? we'll uh, put that by Alex Vigderman who is the uh, senior at the uh, director of football uh, analytics uh, for SIS he's going to join us in hour number 2 so uh, let's get this bad boy rolling mike Gill first uh, we'll do a little scouting and analytics later you got mac mac here with you on birds 365
3: Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app.
4: The big story on action news. Search
3: 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes.
4: L.E.X. Eagles.
1: We're talking Eagles here on Bridge 365 and Mac and Mac guides with our bud from down the shore, Mike Gill from the Sports Bash. All right, let's get it out of the way. What are you wearing today, Gill?
6: Oh, uh, um, Tennessee B- Brewery. I was at Nashville.
2: All right, tennessee brewery so we've stopped with the smart guy uh,
6: t-shirts
2: now now, we're going now, to now
1: that. he's showing his true colors yeah. we're drinking that's yeah. the only thing that matters we're drinking says mike gill yeah. very nice
2: summertime man the your school little, is out your, of- little uh, your little ipa youtube uh, how's that going are, are those popular uh, you open up the beer. I actually have
6: been getting people down the shore asking me when, like, when's the next one? When are you putting out another? I've had actually some, uh, some, some people reach out about, uh, you know, sponsoring. So yes, they're, they're doing pretty well. In fact, there we um, yeah, yeah. I've been kind of, you know, been known as a beer connoisseur. I'm not quite Glenn Mac now yet, but you know,
1: on the way.
2: Have you yeah. have you tried any of Glenn's beers, any of Glenn's IPAs? I'm sure you have some of the pilly. Probably
6: beers. somewhere along the way, yes. Um the Concha Hawkins oh. stuff. Yeah, I was up there around Christmas time last year, I was up that way.
2: All Glenn,
1: right. yeah, Glenn's stuff is is actually pretty damn good. And I'm uh Yeah old-school uh, Budweiser guy. Who? Believes. Yeah, same
2: here. I'm not a big IPA guy. I just...
1: But I don't job. know Making when...
6: The, I don't know when the changeover happened. In fact, our Friday shows down the shore here on 97.3 are branded as Happy Hour Fridays. And if you text in a suggestion for me to try... We enter you in for a chance to win concert tickets, show tickets. We gave away a golf simulator last
1: week. Nice. You got some uh, good prizes there, Gil. You're taking care of your listeners. All right. Hey, Eagles took care of their players yesterday, giving out championship rings kind of did under the cover of darkness. Unlike the Phillies who had a major ceremony before their third game of the season. And uh, as per, Uh, social media got a chance to look at the ring looks like a pretty cool ring um who did it right who did it wrong eagles for understating it phillies for overstating it Uh, probably
6: the eagles in the end did it right i mean they didn't win the ultimate goal and they just kind of like slipped another the the phillies though you can never accuse them of not knowing how to put on a party. I mean, they're always the best at like opening day and the ceremonies and rolling out the red carpet and having the team walk out from the outfield. But at some point, you know, it's a little, it's a little overboard. I mean, yeah. the, the wall of fame that they do where like, you know, if you pitched in three innings, you, you, you make the wall of fame. I mean, I think the Eagles are <laughs> a little bit more,
7: <laughs>
6: the Eagles are a little bit more subtle in the way they do things. Maybe there's a happy medium somewhere in the middle.
2: Well, I feel like there's different groups of teams. Like, obviously, the teams that have significant history, um, Patriots most recently, you know, 49ers, Cowboys, uh, guys who won, teams that have won a significant amount of Super Bowls. You know, the the old school adage of act like you've been there. Like, I don't want to hear about division titles, uh, uh, conference championships, you know, bands who buy T-shirts. Oh, AFC South champions. <laughs> you know, that tells me that particular organization hasn't had a lot of, of great moments. Uh, when you've won Super Bowls, it's not that big of a deal. Now, on the other hand, it's a big deal for the players. It's a big accomplishment. So I have no problem. And as I told Jody, I've seen, you know, Vikings NFC championship rings dating back to the 70s. I mean, they've been doing it for a long time. So it's not rare. You should uh, applaud the players and and say, hey, great season. But yeah, don't celebrate it. It, it, Especially coming off Super Bowl 52. I agree with the Eagles.
6: And that's become the sports society that we've now grown up in. Is you know the new generation is if you don't win the championship, any other accomplishment is not an accomplishment, right?
2: Yeah, it's that, almost, yeah, you're right because that you know, if you're not,
6: the, the, the thought of if you're if you're not first, you're last, or if you can't yeah. win, then lose purposely to try to win has become a a a theme. Not actually, Jody. It's not only here, but it has. Infiltrate it to all sports in in all levels. Where you know, Oklahoma City's been losing purposely for about four years now. Well, everybody's excited about them now that they've got a ton of draft picks and talent, but that has become an accepted failed, even though you did something winning your conference that you set out to do at the start of the season, and that is no longer something that is really. You know, if you won the pennant back in 1978, that was like you won the pennant. It was a huge accomplishment. Is it the same way anymore to be the pennant winner? Apparently, the Phillies think so. The Eagles, maybe not as much.
1: Yeah, sorry, Mike. I can't take pride in the fact that, hey, as the 76ers, we tanked longer and harder and better than anybody else. We should throw a parade for that. No screw that it took way too long and it hasn't paid the price so uh, if you're going down that road you're going to get nothing but a shake of the head from me sorry the, the results are in the tank hasn't worked didn't work than anything i've ever seen in my sports fandom career
2: i don't want to relitigate yeah. goopy sam Hinky, but you know mike knows my feeling on that better than most however the the larger part where i think mike and i agree on is that yeah, I I don't. Everybody, and I think it was Giannis after the Bucks bowed out of the playoffs. He had a great press conference, and somebody asked him if this was a failure, and he's like looking at him. I mean, it. it the whole point of it is, you know, and he brought up Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan won what, six titles, mm-hmm. played 15-whatever season. So technically, he lost more final games than he won, unless you're Bill Russell, who I think was 11 at 13. Uh, just about everybody in sports history has lost their last game more than they've won it. It's not a failure. Michael Jordan wasn't a failure in the seasons he didn't win titles. Um, that I These Ricky Bobby rules, I agree with you but it's not burst your left that's bull crap and and there is a whole generation of sports fans that really buys into that that well really and, and
6: that. the the notion like in the NBA for for in the NFL maybe a little different you know the winning your division is still a goal the NBA most people don't even know what division their team is even in to let alone have that be something that they strive for so you know you talk about the, the Eagles win the NFC East last year. Winning your division still kind of matters because those rivalries have something still. There's not a lot of rivalries in sports where the divisions mean enough anymore either. So everything has been kind of downplayed so much so that if you don't win the championship, you're a failure. The season wasn't worth it. We should lose on purpose so we can get a player that can help us win a title. Try- you know, you don't see it as much in football, although uh, Arizona you do might see be trying. It, man. It's to-
2: getting- You know, it's getting closer, and we're going to have a guest on in the second hour. When you see this, you know, scouts versus analytics, it's getting closer to that. We had Gary Myers on, was that last week, Jody?
1: A couple weeks Yeah,
2: He had a great quote about the Harvardization Mm -hmm. of, of the NFL, where you got all these Ivy League guys coming in, and they all think the same way, and it's all about devaluing certain positions. Hello, running backs. Hello, Dalvin cook. Um, you know, not uh, uh, the kid in Pittsburgh was talking about it yesterday. He's like, "What? Well, you know, am I going to get my money um, when it's my, my time? Probably not. <laughs> I mean, because everybody thinks the same way and baseball, it's probably the best example there. Um, look, Moneyball is one of my favorite movies. I love that movie. I talk about it all the time. I love it. And and Billy Bean was ahead of the curve. When everybody catches up, then everybody, it becomes the same thing, just in a different way. Everybody's doing the same thing. Then it becomes who does it best. Not You don't have an advantage anymore. He had an advantage because he was ahead of the curve. By the way, never won a title, but did tremendous things. Mm. Now nobody's ahead of the curve, and the smartest people in the world don't seem to get that. You you, you can't just follow the leader. You got to be ahead of the curve. That that's that's the point.
1: That's what our our buddy Harvey Roseman said uh, earlier this year. I like to zig when other people zag. Well, and that's that's what what um you want to be ahead of the curve, as John just pointed out. And one quickie, and I I apologize for backtracking. Love Giannis. I'd love to have Giannis on a team that I'm rooting for. He's a class act, and he is a deep thinker. His status about was the season a success or a failure was irrelevant. They didn't ask him about Michael Jordan. They asked him about the Milwaukee Bucks of 2023. And when you win the most games in the regular season and you get picked off by an eight, side, eight seed in the first round, your season's a failure because it's compared to expectations, not just there's only one champion, and there are no such other things as failures. If uh, only the champion could be the only one succeed, then you can't call anybody else a I disagree. I think you can call a team a failure when you don't come close to meeting expectations before the season, and that's what happened to the Bucks this year. So, especially, will be honest, but I disagree with your stance.
6: Especially when we have the fans and the teams. The teams are a big part of this. They have... Yeah devalued their regular season so your regular season success of having the most wins has been devalued now because the teams have deemed the regular season we're we're gonna rest guys we're gonna load manage you know we're not gonna play guys so the teams have told people the regular season is not as impactful so therefore your regular season success isn't as impactful. Now, is it as impactful in football? The Eagles were the best all the way to the Super Bowl. It still seems that in football, there is that impactfulness of being the best team. But in basketball, if you weren't the first or second seed, you weren't winning. That has kind of gone out the window. Home court advantage is no longer what it felt like it was. It feels like if football is the last sport, really, we're having a positive regular season Also, you know, and we've seen nine and seven teams win Super Bowls, uh, but that's not the norm. But you're in hockey, the eight seed made the Stanley Cup, the basketball, the eight seed. You never saw an eight seed. Heck, it was rare to see a five, six or seven or eight even win the first round in basketball. Now it happens almost routinely. So it seems that the NFL is the last of the Mohicans. They're holding on here to this regular season to keep it compelling.
1: And there's a reason for it. And thanks for letting me jump in, Johnny Mac. In a series, if you get four out of seven at home, that means you've got a 57, 43% advantage of home field. 57% are be played. In football, it's one game. You got a hundred percent. The other team's got zero because they're not going to get a chance to play a home game. So of yeah. course the home field advantage in football is going to mean more in the postseason season, a dozen basketball and hockey and baseball, because you're only getting four out of seven. It's not that big a deal. Football, it's one game. You got that home field advantage, and you're right. But Mike, Mike
2: brings up a good point because and I don't know if this is youth or – so I'll throw it out to both of you guys and get your opinion. I don't know if it's youth and just growing up versus uh, it's changed so drastically. Um, I was a big Sixers guy growing up. That was my favorite team in any sport. I was a Julius Irving guy. That was my team. That was, that was my group. Um, and, you know, when the Sixers played the Celtics back then, and I'm talking in the regular season, it was like huge. It was massive. Everybody's trying to kick in and scream and trying to win the game. And ultimately, as you grow older, you realize, well, that didn't mean a sack of beans on a, a Wednesday and nobody who gives a flying. But people cared. People, it it mattered. That rivalry mattered. It was on the cover of Sports Illustrated, greatest greatest rivalry in sports. Um, Now, there's nothing. You brought up the rivalries. These regular season games are utterly meaningless, maybe best exemplified even by college basketball. When college basketball was, you know, guys stayed for four years and and became uh, a big part of it you had these huge rivalries in the big east the acc locally um now you know the cut co- the conference tournaments you you could have, you can go 30 and 2 in the regular season and some of these lower conferences somebody sprains an ankle and you're one and done in the in in the conference tournament. You're done. You're done. And Even they, though you went, you had this they, large sample size. So they, well, they I have, think a
6: lot of that is too. You know, the talent is deeper than it was. So that means the fifth team is closer to the first team than the fifth team used to be back in the day there was only so many extremely talented players and if one team had them the gap between one and say 8 was so wide now 8 and 1 are pretty close and you know you know you see the kids in college anyway leaving early but in the NFL i don't know jody you've been around a lot of eagles cowboys games and a lot of eagles giants games do they feel the same Is there still Eagles, Cowboys? Even though it maybe doesn't feel the same, I still think that that is something. If they played that game in October on a Sunday afternoon at one o'clock, I think people still might not be to feel the same juice that we felt in 1989 or 1995 or 2005, but of all the games, I think that game still has some juice behind it.
1: I'll answer your question with a question. And we had, Hunter Brody on here yesterday, which I'll tell you what Hunter said after I get you to answer the question, which I thought was telling and, and funny. Uh, yesterday, Eagles single game tickets went on sale and I assume they got snacked up in a matter of hours, if not minutes on uh, yeah. Ticketmaster. What's if you had if you could only get tickets for one game for the Eagles upcoming season, eight home games, what game would you pick, Mike? I know you don't have the Eagles schedule in front of you. Yeah, I don't have the Eagles schedule right
6: in front of, of me. But, I i mean, uh, I know the road games aren't all that good because I give away a trip to an Eagles road game, and I wasn't all that, uh, um, you know. I mean, if you ask me right off the top of, that, of
1: the bat. I'll, I'll, I'll run don't... them down for you real quick. Home Minnesota, home Washington, home Miami, home Dallas, home Buffalo, home San Francisco, home Giants, home Cardinals. In that order, going through the calendar, I didn't give you the exact. So name I guess you're going to try to get
6: me to say 49ers because that's the rematch, right? It's
1: or Buffalo. Schedule. Yeah. plain and simple.
6: Oh, well, listen, and you're talking to somebody though. I'm more of an Eagles Giants rivalry guy than Eagles Cowboys. I feel the Eagles Cowboy is like a Hallmark holiday. It's not like a real holiday. This has been manufactured. Eagles Giants is the big deal to me. You know, because of the proximity and, and you know the fact that there's actual real Giants fans and people that live in this area. The Dallas people are just a bunch of Fugazis. So I go Eagles Giants more than the locally Eagles.
2: They are locally.
6: Wow, ah, these people are complete know nothings. I mean, you yeah. ever talk to a Cowboys fan that lives around here? They never there, seen. There were,
2: but there were here's here's my issue with the Eagles Giants. Uh, there was a great commercial uh, back in the day when the Yankees would dominate uh, the Red Sox. When they were before the Red Sox uh, came back and turned things around, they won a bunch of titles. So this was before that. Um, Alec Baldwin, the Yankees fan, John Krasinski, the Red Sox fan. And they would go back and forth and argue. And Baldwin shut it down by saying, hey, Kindling doesn't have a rivalry with fire. Um, that's how I feel with the Eagles and Giants. The Eagles have dominated the Giants for so long now,
6: they have. I, yeah, it it
2: can't be a rivalry when it's that one side.
6: Well, and the Giants, if yeah, they have not had that glamour, you know. I mean, really, the Giants organization is built around not having that glamour quarterback. I mean, Eli, even him, was uh, he he may be a Hall of Famer, but people never really looked at him as the reason I say may, he wouldn't get my vote, but uh you know he'll probably get in but yeah I don't know to answer your question Jody yes probably if you said hey you want a pair of tickets to a game I'd say hey I'd like to see that game Eagles 49ers but I still do think that Dallas Eagles thing has some significance behind it for the NFC East
1: yeah, and I think the Cowboys are actually a little overrated coming into the year. I think it's Eagles 49ers, then a drop-off. Most people seem to think it's Eagles 49ers, Cowboys, then the drop-off thereafter. I think the bigger differentiation comes between two and three than three and four. But that's my read as of right now. we still got a long time to go before well, we get I'm, And
6: hey. I'm not talking about where they are competitively. I just think you know that, that the Eagles fans still feel slighted as whatever to the Cowboys. There's a reason the Eagles Cowboys thing became something to begin with. Eagles fans felt that they were the lesser and not getting, you know, the same um, you know, hierarchy of, of Dallas. And that's still a case. Dallas still gets more pub and everything, even though they're the lesser team over the last the Eagles have accomplished more than Dallas has in the last 30
1: years. Yeah. Agreed. By far, but by far. I guess here's the difference the way you and I look at it, Mike. The actual level of rivalry would move the needle for me about five percent and making the decision on what game I want to go to. the The quality of the team, what I think it's going to mean in the season, determining going to the playoffs, home field, to manage everything else—that's about ninety five percent. Yeah, and yeah, I think San Francisco's better than Dallas. So they were last year. They beat them in the playoffs two years running. And the whole, you talk about pumping up rivalry, the whole whining after the fact by 49er fans because Purdy got hurt just adds to it this year. Easy call for me, San Francisco yeah. over Dallas, no matter how big the rivalry Yeah, I think
2: is. that always changes too with the expectations. The Eagles are a significant Super Bowl contender. So um, then it becomes larger than, if it's a typical, you're going to be, 500 now you can't be 500 but if you're going to be nine and eight or eight and nine um then it's like what's a successful season oh beating the cowboys you know that that then it becomes more into um i think it gets more into the equation if you're but for the eagles they have larger aspirations right now as a legitimate super bowl contender so then yeah i mean I remember Jody and I were talking about, you know, the biggest game on the schedule and he went Kansas city and I can't go Kansas city for the reason of it's an AFC game. Like it doesn't matter until the playoffs, then hopefully you get back to the super bowl if it's Kansas city. But if you're going to lose a game in the NFL, you want to lose a a, a, out of conference game because it doesn't hurt in the tiebreakers. Um, for the most part, um, So I never can go AFC game when I'm looking at a schedule for an NFC team and say, what's important, what's important. They probably got to beat San Francisco if they want to get the number one seed. So that's an important game, Yeah, but they got to beat Dallas because Dallas is going to be amongst the top teams, whether it's number three, number four. They're going to be fighting uh, for the division title, the conference title. So – those games to me are more important, but I get I just don't Eagles fans don't like the Niners right now because of all the of angst and whining and whatever you want to call it. But ultimately I don't think, you know, they'll forget about and by that. the way.
6: The Eagles play Dallas, Kansas City, Buffalo, San Francisco, Dallas consecutively. That's a stretch. Oh yeah. Oh yeah.
1: Yeah um <laughs> that's the way we, we and that's going to show the Eagles' schedule early this year i like the way it laid out for the eagles Even and i'd add early, seattle
2: to that too real quick because i think Seattle's going to be a good team
1: so here. do i yeah they got a really easy opening schedule then it gets really hard in the middle and it gets light at the end sorry mr giants eagles is still the best rivalry no it's not 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 right now uh because the eagles Kind of owned them last year, and they'll own them again this year, unless they don't need to win that last game of the season. And even if I, they- I,
6: I acknowledge that the Giants aren't nearly as good. I just like the, the 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 proximity, and then you get the fan, the Giant fans give them you know credit. They are somewhat knowledgeable fans. They have passion for their team. They don't just live in a random state and pick a dart and throw it and say, "Hey, that star is really cute. I'll just cheer for them." No, they actually. Know their zip code. They have the proximity in place, and it makes for what should be a more impactful rivalry. Even though the they are the nail to the Eagles' hammer in recent times.
2: Yeah, that's fair. Uh, that's fair. Um, we we've gotten. I I find this discussion interesting. I hope the fans like it. But we we haven't talked much about the team, Mike. So I will turn turn it there a little bit. We didn't get much. We didn't see much. We saw 100 minutes, uh, the reporters that were there. Um, but we saw some interesting things, and I I, I kind of look at themes. Christian Ellis, maybe maybe he could push Nicholas Morrow to be that second linebacker. I thought Zach McPherson moving to the slot was interesting. All of a sudden, you have more depth outside. Eagles have tremendous depth at cornerback um, now. Um and that wasn't necessarily the case in the past. But I think the most interesting thing to me, we've been talking about this the past couple of days, center, and center for this reason. We all know Jason Kelsey. It's not about Jason Kelsey. But Jason's 35. We already saw it last year. The Eagles give them all these maintenance days uh, during camp, uh, like most of the veteran players, as they should. That that matters for this reason, Mike, Cam Jergens has got to take over the right guard position. That's the hope. Well, if Kelsey isn't practicing, somebody's got to play center. And are they they going to kick Cam Jergens back in the center? And does that affect his ability to learn right guard? All we know, Kelsey wasn't there on the second OTA practice. They did indeed move Cam Jergens back to center. Is that a surprise to you? And what does it we, mean? Does that mean they have so much confidence in Cam Juergens? Or um, Look, this is our excuse to look at Tyler No, uh,
6: we, we actually talked about this yesterday. Um, I think it means they want Tyler Steen to win that job. They, oh, they hope that he's oh. the guy um, and that that he would be right now, I guess, the favorite to win that job. If you're telling Juergens, you're in the race for this job. But, oh, by the way, when this guy's not here, you're going to go play that position. Tells me I'm not getting a, a fair opportunity to win that job. If you're wow. telling me I wow. got to go play that job, um, and the funny part is they get Steen obviously, uh, and here's Jack Driscoll, who by the way I've heard bulked up a little bit. I don't know if you saw the same thing, John, but um, he's the only guy who's actually played that position in the NFL and has really not been has been an afterthought. Uh, in that spot there but if you're telling one guy you know hey i coach right kid goes up the shortstop the other kid goes to shortstop well i know which guy i want to play the shortstop the other guy I say hey I want to play more shortstop than i want to see you play shortstop i think the eagles are saying i want to see more of this guy play right guard than i want to see you you go back and play some center because if you're playing seven on seven and you just need someone to snap the ball there's a third or fourth guy available if you wanted to give that guy a fair shot to get the reps with the other guy, don't you think?
2: Yeah, and it wasn't the seven-on-seven. Seven. It was more the individual drills. So before, um, you know, because they'll use Brett Todd or Cameron Tom at times to snap the ball in seven-on-sevens. But um, when they did individual work and they work on sort of uh, the combination blocks, center-right right guard, center-left guard, uh, with Shergon's working at center, Tyler working at right guard. I I just I I was a little surprised that they went down that road because they have so many guys with the 90-man roster that can play center. You know, maybe you don't want Brett Todd playing it in a game, right? But he can play it. Um, um Cameron Tom can play it, Julian Good Jones can play it. They got a bunch of guys who can play center. So Yeah.
6: Well, I mean, mentality over the years, you know, if a guy gets hurt, they don't want to move multiple guys to move two positions. They only like to go. So that kind of also would say, well, Kelsey, he's been pretty healthy over the last couple of years, but he is getting older. You know, if someone got hurt, Kelsey, do they want to play Juergens at right guard? Have to move him to center, then insert that's two moves. So it would seem again with that that Juergens would be the backup center. And they hope that Tyler
1: Steen would win that job. That's you stole my thunder. That's exactly what I was going to say, because the guy who's most likely going to make this decision, Stoutland, you as is on the record is saying, I'd rather just take one guy out, plug one guy in, than move two guys and have two guys outside their comfort zone. So that's why I, I kind of do Agree with you, Mike. Um, I need a crystal ball look from you, big guy. Week one, New England Patriots, September 10th. Eagles win the coin toss and defer, because they always defer. And Elliott kicks it out of the back of the end zone. So the Patriots get it first and 25, first and 10 from the 25. Eagles in their base set, two linebackers on the field. Who are they?
6: Well, it's N'Kobe Dean definitively. My other answer would probably be the guy's not here yet. But if you're making me take a guy that's currently on no, he, he, the roster, that, I'm that, that's stick an with acceptable Nick answer. If,
1: if you want to go, the guy's not here yet. I can't tell you, Joe. That's an acceptable answer.
6: All right. Yeah. I will go with N'Kobe Dean definitively, and and somebody that is not here at this time would be would be the, the, the second guy.
1: Yet to be an Eagle that for me, that's an acceptable answer. Cause I agree with it. I, I think the, yeah. I, and, and, yet to be acquired.
6: You know, you asked me last week, an interesting question about like, you know, what duo do you have, um, you know, concerns about this two sue safeties, the two new linebackers or the two new linemen. And it's gotta be, you know, and I like Dean, I think he's going to be a, an excellent, impactful player. I just don't know who the other guy's going to be at, at this point. And if it's one of the guys that are here, I know Christian Ellis is, is, you know, is he Hank Basket? Is he Mr. Lehigh? Or is he going to actually be able to – these are the the Lehigh days, right, when when you had a wide receiver that stood out and you were like, how come uh, this guy can't play? You know? Paul, Paul Turner, guy, baby. Paul Turner, yeah. Paul, Paul Turner. Turner. So, yeah. yeah, that linebacker spot. And, and look, I, I guess uh, the safety spot got get, – You know, we talk about what these OTAs mean. Christian Ellis used these OTAs now to put himself in position to say, hey, I want to see more of this guy when he gets to training camp. Because quite frankly, most people watching this probably didn't know who Christian Ellis was. And the Eagles coaches now say, okay, when we put the pads on, I want to see if you could duplicate what you did in that two weeks with the pads off. So what he does with those training camp reps, if he does get more, that's on
1: him. What? What? uh Sorry to interrupt, John. What was Hank Baskett's wife' name again? Kendra? Uh, Kendra Wilkerson. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't she wow. due for Playboy, another reality new- series? We yeah. haven't had we haven't had Kendra in about a decade. I miss Kendra. Where's know, Kendra? No, 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 no. Yeah.
2: Kendra. Yeah. No, she has a new. She does have she a has reality.
6: a new show now on HGTV yeah. where she's a real estate agent.
1: Get out of here. Oh, yeah, I'm she's a real estate agent.
6: On. On a show, and she was trying to. I don't know. I, I, I couldn't believe it was her. I was like, is that Kendra? You know, I was at the yeah, Super was, Bowl that in that New what York, the glory whatever. Glory
2: days, glory days of Eagles, uh Wags, uh, wives and girlfriends. Uh you had A.J. Beely with uh, Heather Mitts, the, the, um, and you had uh, Jeff Garcia. What was his uh, girlfriend's name?
6: Extremely oh, yeah, he similar. had uh, a Playboy Playmate model yeah. Uh, yeah. wife yeah. as well. Yeah. Uh, bad, I had – <laughs> when I was at the Super Bowl in New York, we had um, Hank Basket and Kendra were walking around, and they, they stopped by at Radio nice. Row with them. What was this? Whenever that New York Super Bowl was. Had yeah. It had been like 10 years yeah. ago. Right?
2: Yeah, that was. Uh, yeah. I remember seeing Jennifer Gardner on Radio Row. Uh, Carmela Cesare yeah, was, yeah. was her name, was, is her name. Um, yeah. Very fetching woman.
1: Um, yes. Jeff Garcia. Well, I, I don't know which is more surprising. The fact that Kendra's got a show on HGTV or that, Mike Gill found it on HGTV. Uh, Both of (laughs) those are quite surprising to me, but uh, maybe Kendra, uh, Kendra, real estate agent? Really? Okay. Uh, I got to see that. Uh, I'm I'm doing on demand as soon as the show's over today. And her kids,
6: her kids who are Hank's kids are in the show a lot. I mean, they're really part of the whole part of the whole show is that she was like a real estate assistant and she was trying to impress them to hire her. And one of the days she was doing a showing and she had her kids with her and she had to hide them in the basement so that because she had nowhere, nowhere to, she
1: didn't have anything where to bring them. That's high quality TV right there. I I got to go back and check that out. All right, Gil, where are you drinking this afternoon? Are you going to be on the air?
6: sadly i am working i am on the air um i don't know when i have some time i'm going to be off a little bit coming up here in, in the next couple of weeks but uh, i'm on the air today and uh you can always catch us football at four uh, we'll talk some eagles for all you eagles nuts out there
1: check it out at 97.3 espn down the shore mike gill always a pleasure thank you sir we'll talk to you again next week all right guys Thanks, PG Mike. we will have a new uh, swag T-shirt too. Yeah, you know some. what?
2: But I remember about Hank Baskets. Uh, he was undrafted, and he actually got traded to the Eagles as an undrafted player. You rarely see that. Um,
1: Who did they and, get him from? I'm forgetting that now.
2: Uh, Minnesota. He he was undrafted, uh, 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 and they traded him for the great Billy McMullen. Who was great because of his last name.
1: Last name, yeah. 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 And and, and, uh, I'll I'll suggest that Hank Baskett did more for the Eagles than Billy McMullen did. Oh, he did. He
2: most certainly did. And Billy McMullen was a third round pick. Um, Not, you know, not, but third round is third round. And he, yeah, he did not do much.
1: Uh, Is that Joe Banner? That's before Howie got the chair, right?
2: Uh, that's like early 2000s. Uh, I have to, uh, 2003, the uh, 95th overall pick, 2003. Okay, um,
1: well, so I'll Howie be was here, but he was a uh, lower level, right? It was a uh, probably Joe Banner deal. All right, uh, Johnny Mac, Johnny Mac hanging out with you here on Birds 365. I uh, did mention this at the top if you just tuned in or jumped in during the middle. Alex Vigderman is going to join us. He is the director of football analytics for sports information solutions. Um, Matt Manicharian joins us leading up to the draft. He's a big contributor to their draft guide, which combines both the scouting eye and the analytical look at football. Uh, Alex is going to join us. He's the director of analytic, uh, the analytic side of things, the comparison between scouting and stats It's a fun way to break down football. We'll do some of that with Alex Vigderman coming up in just 20 minutes from now here on Birds 365.
4: Eagles, Eagles.
1: Get your Mac and Mac guys here on Birds three sixty five. Stick around for another hour, hour number two coming your way. Uh, We thank Mike Gill. Gill's funny. Uh, I just like uh, the pimping Gill. He handles it well when you give him a hard time. Uh, so uh, we always love on Wednesday mornings when Mike Gill joins us, looking forward to having Alex Vigderman from sports information solutions. Come on, talk some analytics versus uh, scouting uh, for the upcoming 2023 season and rankings and ratings and all that fun stuff. Johnny um, Mac question for you. Dalvin cook released last week. Hasn't signed yet. There was some talk when the, uh, uh, it was probably when Matson got the new contract. You've pointed that out a couple of times, and that was kind of telling when they gave him the money that they did, which was borderline starter money in the in the league, uh, that Dalvin Cook was not gonna be with the Minnesota Vikings when the season opened, and sure enough, they released him. People were saying, you know, the Eagles should trade for uh Dalvin Cook. That was before they did get DeAndre Swift, it was before the draft. Um Uh, I didn't think that was a match then, and the Eagles have enough running backs now. Uh, I don't see Dalvin Cook wearing eagle green, but he's not signed on with any team yet. And when you get these guys who are released during the offseason, usually it goes one of two ways. Either they sign immediately, they know where they want to go, the other team has interest, boom, they get a deal done. Or it drags a bit, and we're now, at least as for me, into the dragging with Dalvin King you think he waits all the way till camp gets underway and waits for a team to have its running back go down with an injury to give himself Possible.
2: better? I mean, uh, Kevin Seifert uh, from ESPN, who covers uh, the Vikings now, um, he mentioned he wants significant money. So, I mean, it's that time of year where, Everybody's already budgeted. Everybody's got their ducks in a row for the most parts. And he might have, if if that's the case, and he doesn't want to come in for, you know, one year and 5 million, um, he might have to wait. Uh, Same thing with DeAndre Hopkins. He's taken visits, you know, Tennessee, now New England. Uh, He wants a significant deal, at least significant enough at this time of year. Um, they know they're taking a little bit of a haircut, but uh, he was going to make significant money. That was the problem why you can't trade him. People say, he's a good player. Why can't you trade him? Well, he makes too much damn right. money. Nobody nobody values the position. It's not just the Eagles. Um, And we'll talk about that with Alex as well, the devaluation of that particular position. I mean, Saquon Barkley, the, the guys at the top of the sort of pecking order, that Josh Jacobs, they went the franchise tag route because it's less than paying them what guys like Cook made or, or Ezekiel Elliott before um, the Cowboys released him. Um, it seems like everybody who signs these big money running back deals grows to regret it. I guess my bigger question is, should they? Or is, is, is there more wiggle room? Um, you know... Alexander Madison, you mentioned, he's a good player. Um, I think they'll be fine, but he's not Dalvin Cook. He's not explosive. He's not a home run hitter. He's not going to scare opposing defenses. He's a he's a you know twenty two carry ninety five yard guy, uh, which is good, but there's and no oh, by the way, with
1: Kirk with Kirk Cousins, you're not getting twenty two carries. They're not going to well, the ball twenty two times with Kirk Cousins. Yeah, that's
2: true too. Um, when he, when he has played, he's you know Dalvin's had some shoulder injuries. He's he's had some good games, and that's where he always is. He's always at like twenty two for ninety or twenty three for ninety two. Um, they also signed Josh Oliver. They want to they want to run the football to set up the pass. Uh, they're a play action team. They're an old school Shanahan team. Um, they they want to set up the play action, which is, you know, it sounds like nineteen forties, but that's what they want to do. Um, I I I I don't know. I don't know. Because for the most part, I agree. Like no and I say it all the time, Jody. You've heard me say it a bunch. Nobody cares about the running game until they care about the running game. And it right. usually happens late in the season. It usually happens when the weather turns in the northeast, or you got to play a weather game. And then all of a sudden they look around and we want to run the football and, you don't know, practice it, you know, now you can't practice it. Again, we go back to our original discussion. Mm-hmm. How do you, how do you judge a running back? People are saying, how did Penny look? He look great in shorts, got big legs. <laughs> I haven't seen him run through contact. Right. Uh, and I will not see that for a long time. Um." You know how how do you practice it? So, and then you, you kind of just say, "All right, we'll do what we can," and and that's where, you know, then you talk about the talent of particular players, Christian McCaffrey, um, who's still making big money. Um, are those guys valuable? I think they are, but the league doesn't agree with me.
1: Right, uh, it, and you said it earlier. It's not just the Eagles. We, we look at everything through an eagle-colored lens here on Birds 365, but we try and acknowledge the fact that, oh, there are 31 other teams, and how they do business, how they do certain things is going to have an effect on the Eagles. And I think the way the Eagles do s- certain things affects the way the other 31 teams work too. It's a symbiotic type, type thing. Yeah, running backs just aren't getting paid. And Saquon Barkley's sitting out, mandatory minicamp with the, Eagles cause, uh, with the Giants just because he, he can't believe that the Giants won't do a bigger deal than just the one-year franchise tender. Yeah, that's the way it works now in the National Football League. You get a guy for a year, you pay him what you have to, but you don't want to make long-term commitment. You don't want dead cap money uh, sitting there. And if you do the tender thing, season's over and done with. Dead cap money for Saquon Barkley, zero. And that's what it seems like, when they can get away from a player but not have a financial tie to them going forward that's going to make it uh, more difficult to manage your cap going forward as well. Yeah, that's that's the want of the National Football League. It's not just the Eagles. Yeah, and it's it was uh, it's everybody. Uh,
2: uh, Najee Harris was talking about it. Uh, Brooke Pryor got him out at the uh, Steelers mini camp and he said to see people like that get released, and he's talking about Cook, obviously. Especially in my position, it's like, damn, what, what did they do? It's, it's, is it because of their age? He's only 27, I think. Um, he's coming off multiple 1,000-yard one, 1, seasons. What? I don't know. Is it money from the team? They got to pay somebody? I don't know, but it's eye-opening for sure. Um, yeah, this one's reverberated uh, to players in the league because they all respect him. He's, as I said, he's not old. Now he has um, had a ton of touches over the years. Um, He's not what he once was. So it's that old, you know, better to give up on a player a year early than a year late mentality. But it really manifests itself in running back more than any other position. And when you're somebody like Najee Harris, who's had a good start to his career, you know, he starts to see the landscape and, you know, what can he do? What what can he do? I'm not sure there's anything he can do.
1: We were talking earlier about uh, your uh, man crush on Billy Bean and the fact that he was ahead of the curve. And that's how he kept the A's with a minimal payroll competitive year in, year out. Didn't win the big prize, but made him uh, – a competitive team year in and year out. I think that's one of the areas in the National Football League you can look to in the next year or two. Finding that perfect fit right running back, because as we analyzed Davin Cook in his situation, we you and I agree that's the league. The league has now set the value of the running back, and it just keeps going down and down and down and down and down. If you can find that guy. Who the league is devaluing just because he's a running back and just because he's had X amount of miles put on his tires, they're going to refuse to pay what he should. To be able to point out that and say, this guy's got, even though he's older, even though he's taking more hits, we can get him for still below market value of what his production is. And we think he could still hold that production for another year. That's the kind of guy that I would be looking for in free agents that the whole league is yeah, devaluing. And, and I want to be and, the guy and, who's and, willing and, to give him just this much more and then reap that benefit all year long.
2: And and what it is 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 groupthink, right? Yeah. And that's why I say Billy, Billy Bean was ahead of the curve. Billy Bean was now everybody said, Oh, look at Billy. And then it becomes groupthink. And everybody says, we got to do what Billy did. Well, if everybody's doing the same thing, there's no advantage. Then it becomes who does it best. Um, that's what's going on in the NFL. You see it all the time on, on, on um, social media. And there's a guy, and I don't want to say his name because I, I like him personally. I respect him. who was talking about this particular situation. And just you know, mocking people who would dare say, you know what? Wait a minute, Dalvin Cook's a pretty good player, and going down the litany of things, it's become same thing with you know fourth and short. Oh, you got to go for it. You got to go for it. You got to go for it. Well, what do you have? What if you have your backup quarterback? What if what if what if your top uh, running back is hurt? What if your top receiver is hurt? You know, it's not just oh. Go for it hundred percent of the time, because the end. There are situations where you got to go, and eh, you know what? We're not playing well. We're not prepared. Let's live to play another series down the road. Maybe win a game in a different fashion. Um, same thing with player evaluation. You can't just say, "Oh, you know, yeah, he's been this successful, but." His yards above expectation were bad last year. Can't go forward. That's groupthink. When you're mocking other people with with a different, they might bring in the context. Well, guess what? Minnesota's got an interior offensive line that couldn't push Jody McDonald off the football. Maybe that fucking hurt down, you know. Um that not everything's equal. Not everybody has the Eagles offensive line. Um There's all these contextual pieces to it. And that's what makes the scout versus uh, stat uh, conversation so interesting. And why I like Matt so much, Matt Manicharian, used to be a scout in the league, very open-minded to analytics, and he tries to marry the two together as much as possible. But a lot of people are like, you know, firmly in their particular camps, and they will not move. And the Billy Beans of the world are, are the true geniuses, not the guys who come along. That's what I say schematically in a different way. You hear me say it all the time about Bangio and all the teams. Bangio is the innovator. Everybody else is just following.
1: Copier, right.
2: Yeah. Every Everybody else is just following. And then it becomes who does it best. Last year the Eagles did it best uh, up until the second half of the Super Bowl, um, but that's not the same as being the guy who's changing things.
1: Mm, and that's where I'm thinking a guy like Dalvin Cook could be a team getting an edge, because I guarantee you there are teams out there that are making evaluations on Dalvin Cook. It certainly. Uh, all led by, well, what do we already have in the room? Do we? How desperately do we need this? Is it going to be an upgrade or is it going to be a major upgrade? And that's what you base it on, but then you got to figure out how much you're going to be willing to pay him. It, Davin Cook's got over 1,500 touches. His first year he only played four games, but in five years he's got 1,500 touches. That's a lot of touches. But some guys can do that. Some guys can take that. I get that most pl- most players, the more they play, the more wear and tear in the body, the more injuries, the more years you add to the driver's license. Yeah, it, it almost always, almost always goes down. Production's going to go down. You project going forward, he's not going to be as good as he was. And every once in a while, you get the exception to the rule, the guy who stays there and or can tick back up, even though it seems like he's had a lot of usage. I think Dalvin Cook could have had that kind of year because you're right. Minnesota's offensive line not the best. He gets behind a good offensive line that can drive block. Yeah, I I think he could be a a an actual needle mover as a June signing. That doesn't well, usually happen. I was
2: I, I went back to that Buffalo game and I saw you know how many how many guys in this league can take it to the house from 80 yards, um, you know. Um, how many guys can take it to the house on the screen from 75 yards out? I mean, there's some juice there. There's some juice there. So to say, oh, well, this number says there isn't. Well, you know, Buffalo's a pretty good team. Um, Indianapolis, as bad as they were, had a pretty good defense, especially a linebacker. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's a typical decision. But for the most part, I agree. <laughs> I, I'm like, no, I, I say it all the time. We we go through this every year in the draft, Jody, you know. Are the Eagles taking running back? We went through it this year. It was Bijan 365. Mm-hmm. I said every day, I said, no, stop being silly. No, it's not happening. It's not happening. Not, not with this organization and their belief
1: system. That is just one player we're going to ask our next guest about. Uh, how much value should there be? And a guy like Dalvin Cook, who is out there on the open market as of right now. Uh, Coming up next, we're going to talk to Alex uh, Midgerman from uh, uh, Sports Information Solutions. He's a friend of Matt Manicharian, who we've had on the show before. And Matt's been outstanding. So we expect uh, Alex Vigderman to be just as good. He it's a lot of pressure, director. Alex. I see yeah. Alex in the green said, he Oh, he's smiling. He's laughing. He's going, oh, shit, what the hell's Jody Mack doing to me? He's putting the pressure on me. Looking forward to chatting up uh, stats and scouts with Alex Vigderman, director of football uh, analytics for Sports Information Solutions. He's next with us here on Birds 365.
3: Do you stream on a Roku, Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app.
4: And the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC
3: Philadelphia and start streaming today. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Yes, really don't sound so surprised. Let's see it. Oh, you're ready. All right, here we go. Let's hear the crap. Mama, go mama! She did it.
5: Again?
2: You can't avoid gravity, but United Healthcare can help you avoid financial surprises by helping you compare costs and doctor quality ratings.
6: United Healthcare.
5: Uh
2: Uh-huh.
1: you streaming in here with Birds 365 where we talk football each and every single day, and we're going to talk with a guy who does both stats analysis and scouting. Now, they try and marry the two and do a hell of a job of it at Sports Information Solutions. Alec Vigderman, director of football analytics, good enough to hop on with
7: us, who is an admitted nerd, right, Alex? Admitted nerd, yeah. You said that I do the scouting. I would definitely temper that expectation. <laughs> uh, the, the rest of the company does that. I do the stats stuff. So
2: now it's interesting. Do you have any um, aspiration now? Alec Hallaby, for those who don't know, the Eagles' assistant GM, sort of, um, you know, has an analytics background. Uh, got into the industry that way, but I had a chance to speak with Alex over the years. He breaks down film now. I mean, he learned it. He, he, and he's good at it. And do you have any aspirations of picking Matt's brain and saying, I want to get into this part of it as well?
7: Yeah. I think that it's also just really important when you're building metrics and trying to evaluate players, it's really important to have an understanding of how to think about those things and, and what, elements of the data that we do collect are really important and what can we collect that would allow us to answer questions even better so yeah you it is really useful to have that scouting background i don't feel the need to have that be like my entire job but it's definitely a really important part of what i do
1: you know john beat me to it because i was going to go alex and the eagles as well because managerian told me you are the resident eagle fan on staff at sports information solutions huh
7: yeah. Uh, I, I suppose so. Yeah. My, my, um, my credibility come, I, I can say that I have a uh, Mike Bartram Jersey one of my like two Eagles jerseys, <laughs> because when I was a kid, I was like, I want the weirdest player. I want the long snapper. He had just made the pro bowl. And so I got him. And of course, later on John Dornboss became like a more appropriate uh, long snapper to pick to have a Jersey, but you know,
2: legendary, legendary <laughs> long snappers. Uh, yeah, John, uh, that would have been a good choice, but Mike Bartram, I love it. Uh, it was a very good long snapper as well, so good choice, Alex. Good choice. Um, yeah, it, you guys are doing this sort of scouts um, versus stats analysis that I found very interesting, and um, you know, Matt uh, and 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 uh, I guess it's Bryce Rossler, uh, do the scouting. Uh, you and and James Weaver uh, do the stats part of it. And you're, you're breaking down the top 10 players at each position. Now, I, I found this really interesting from, you know, to use the Eagles as an example. At wide receiver, like it makes sense. I think A.J. Brown was the fourth best from the scouts. And he was the fifth best or might have been vice versa. Uh, from the statistical analysis, so when things match up, I imagine it's easy. Darius Slay, though, the scouts at him, hey, you know, this is the fifth best cornerback in football, and the stats are like eh, not, not, not so much. How, how do you guys sort of debate back and forth when you talk about when you have that big sort of gap between the two camps?
7: yeah so for cornerbacks it's tough in general the performance their performance is really variable year to year they're sort of like famously difficult baseball
2: relief pitchers
7: yeah they're, they're they're famously difficult to evaluate statistically part part of it is is because they're the plays that they are involved in can be really big one way or the other like in terms of any single player's impact on a play uh Defensive back can have a pick six from the one yard line going 99 yards, or they can allow a 99 yard touchdown. So their like range of outcomes is really wide. And also for whatever reason, year over year, you have these like really big swings in how well they perform snap to snap. Um, and then you can also get players like Trayvon Diggs of the Cowboys. Last year was this like really extreme example of he had all these interceptions and and he was you know defensive player of the year conversations all that kind of stuff. But at the same time, he was allowing big chunk play after big chunk play. And so you you can get these like really big differences in the impact of a few really important plays and what you're doing snap to snap.
1: Um, let me ask you about follow up with the cornerbacks. As John noted, Darius Slay in top five on the scouting, nowhere yep. to be on <sighs> top 10 surprising james bradbury did not make the top 10 statistically either and one stat we continue to hear about reed uh the lowest uh quarterback rating against him passes that came in way his way in the national football league what's that analysis what metric are you using that says yeah bradbury's still not in our top 10 as far as stats go
7: yeah so for what it's worth he ended up like 13th, so we're not talking about a, a huge difference here. Uh, the primary metric that we use is something that I've created called total points, which is basically our sort of answer to like wins above replacement type concept, but in football. So taking all of the different charting data that we collect and putting everything that players do, all the 22 players, and kind of putting it into the same currency, the same point scheme, and relating that to points on the score, but basically saying you know, this this the air yards on this throw are worth this many points on average, but he didn't allow that completion, so he gets a little bit of credit there. Interceptions are worth a whole bunch of points, and and that kind of thing. And in, by that metric, Bradbury over the last uh, three years has been in the top fifteen or so, and actually that's where Slay ends up dropping off. He ends up being in the in the seventieth uh, range. And Ooh. To be honest, well, so this is the, the the tough thing to when it comes to evaluating corners, as I was saying before, like individual plays have a big impact. And so Slay, for example, had four dropped interceptions last year. And those are pass breakups, and so that's a good play in general, but it also is leaving a decent amount of value on the field. And mm-hmm. so like if you think about it, the that lost opportunity is a huge debit in at least in the system that that we're evaluating here. And so those are four plays that have a huge impact. The other thing that uh, was true for Slay, and probably honestly is true for any of the, the Eagles' defensive backs, is that the front four that's getting all this pressure makes it makes their jobs easier. Yeah. And so yeah. you have like I think Slay's ha- half of Slay's interceptions, dropped interceptions, pass breakups, whatever, were when the quarterback was under pressure. And the Eagles get pressure a decent amount, but they don't get pressure you know more than half the time. Um, so that also has a, an impact, at least in how we evaluate the players.
2: Now, with Slade, the marquee game was early in the season against Justin Jefferson. Now, to, to your point, he dropped a couple of interceptions he probably should have had in that game. Now, I, I also brought up at the time, the, the officials let him play that day. So they're, they're, So I hear what you're saying as far as you know, that could be a shift and he's got a pass breakup instead of an interception. But if that was a different day in a different stadium with a different officiating crew, he also might have gotten three <laughs> or four penalties. Yeah. So how do you kind of bake that into the statistical analysis? Because boy, that's an that's an outlier.
7: Yeah, we're we're not accounting for everything and we're not accounting. And part of that is is availability of information. For what it's worth, uh, the officiating crew is something that we could potentially build in, although it's tough because you only have so many penalties that get called and the officiating crews rotate around and all that kind of stuff uh, over the course of years. Like in order to feel really confident that uh, that you can use that information to your advantage, you'd have to have a really strong... Uh, differentiation between one crew and the other. So that in that situation it's tough to build. In. And 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 particularly as you're saying, like on a given day, that's really tough to build in. Yeah. Uh, that's that's uh hard to evaluate. In terms of the the Justin Jefferson thing, that is something that we've considered is having some kind of like quality of opponent adjustment. And the tough thing is that you get into this sort of like cyclical thing of like the same thing should be true for Jefferson as well, right? Jefferson's lining yeah. up against oh, Slay, yeah. and so right. So, trying to figure mm-hmm. out how to balance those factors uh, is pretty difficult. And so we kind of let let it be, and then you can uh, potentially use the data in some other way and slice it up and say, okay, against top-flight receivers, uh, Slay was was doing this, and against lesser receivers, he was doing that. And actually, our our friends at Football Outsiders, who we uh, provide a lot of data for. Um, they have used in the, in the past for years this idea of like top number performance against number one wide receivers, performance against number two wide receivers, etc.
1: All right, uh, you, you with the way you described Slay and certain of his games, it made me think of another Eagle I want to ask you about with uh, debits of missing out on opportunities. Uh, we, John and I, it's so funny. We, before we, know, after we booked, I just happened to ask John about yesterday. Do you think Devontae Smith has broken into the top 10 wide receivers in the league? And as per you stat guys, you got Devontae at number 10. The scouts don't, he's just outside. You got him at number 10. And I think i him at number 10. So I'm with you guys on this one. Quez yeah. Watkins. Uh, oh, before we okay. get to Devontae, Quez left yeah. some plays on the field last year. Uh, I got to believe if that is something that's a debit, that's going to drop Quez down pretty significantly. He's Eagles' third wide receiver. Every and He's got three. So we know that the rankings aren't going to be great to begin with. How far down is Quez? How many points does he lose? Because got his hands on the ball, couldn't make the play, dropped the ball, big fumble. Uh, Quez had some of those turn the game around in the other team's favorite plays last year. Where do you have Quez ranked?
7: Well, yeah, and, and, and even just like sort of falling down <laughs> and, and that sort of thing. Yeah, it's that's a really uh, tough eval, and from from the total points perspective, that definitely dings him quite a bit. I'm looking, and he ends up being like a hundred twentieth or so on Ooh. our list. Um, <laughs> and you know that includes some players who have uh, only a handful of plays. So like he might be a hundredth or something if you cut out people who who haven't played very much. But yeah, it's it's definitely. A really extreme I have to assume that it's it's as extreme a difference as any team in the league between that number two and that number three yeah and that's where uh you know there was reasonable conversation about taking you know spending a decent draft pick to to sort of upgrade that position because of of what he was not doing and of course we know that hands can be fluky and he could come back next year and and have no drops and and be a lot more reliable but like I'm not I'm not I'm not banking on it Um, and certainly in in the context of of this total points metric that we were using like those drops in the same way that 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 for dropped interceptions we're basically saying that those 50 yards that that you lost from uh, from not catching that ball you're you're on the hook for that and the and in the reverse sense like Jalen Hurts we're not punishing at all we're saying like you got the ball there you get the credit and and Quez takes the blame
2: um alex running back has been a big discussion around the league and i think dalvin cook kind of fostered it because people are looking in traditional ways you look at dalvin cook and say yeah that guy's been pretty effective for a number of years ton of touches we all know how this league thinks about running backs they're replaceable and for the most part i agree um, they don't want to pay running backs. You have a bad contract. Um, it, it from a statistical analysis. And I, I didn't see if you guys got to your top ten running backs. I didn't see it if you got. We're there, doing like, it today. Oh, you're <laughs> nice. doing it today.
1: We'll be so back if, later. Yeah.
2: <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I'm going to be interested to look at that, and I'm sure Dalvin's not going to be in the top ten from a statistical analysis. Um It. it But, you know, the thought process around the league is pretty much, well, you can find running backs in the third day of the draft. You can get them off the street and be similar. How big is the gap between a top 10 running back statistically and just a run-of-the-mill running back? Is the NFL getting this right? Or should they be looking at it like other positions and saying, oh, this guy's just better. Um, Maybe we should value him more than a run-of-the-mill running back
7: yeah i think that one of the elements that contributes to the conversation about running backs that is related to what you were talking about in terms of like you can find a running back is that the even if you find a good running back and you say this player is is better the impact in terms of winning games of having a good running back is not dramatic like you can almost think about it as think to examples of players at the top of their game who are on in any any random team and the impact when they get added to the team for example um, like the the Falcons and B. John Robinson that's a weird thing because their are uh, the context of their roster is a little odd the quarterback might improve but basically adding a top flight running back to a team even whatever saquon barkley or like adrian peterson when uh he's at the peak of his powers derrick henry etc the impact to the team is not quite as extreme as for like adding tyreek hill to the dolphins um or and obviously quarterbacks a whole different conversation but basically like even if you have a good one you often see teams who have these like two thousand yard rushers or whatever who don't make the playoffs or they're barely scraping into the playoffs and so it's Part of it is that even if you have an excellent player and you're able to identify who those players are, and there are many examples of players who you're picking in the seventh round and you can find a quality player. Um, even the Falcons, Tyler Algier uh, had, a, had a great year and then they replaced him with B. J. Robinson. Like there's all of these contributing factors make the running back less valuable than other positions. We at SIS have tried to fight against some of that narrative a little bit like in this total points metric we have like a special adjustment basically to say in general we acknowledge that like running is less valuable than passing and so we try to sort of when we evaluate every single play we adjust the value so that we are comparing like run plays run plays and pass plays on an equal footing and then evaluate the players within the context of those plays because the the narrative is a little bit too far in saying like running backs don't matter at all they are relevant they contribute points to the team I would I would never say that you should like ignore the position entirely but I do think that for example the way that the Eagles have treated the position is a pretty smart one where you're making a lot of bets you're, you're checking yeah. in on a lot of players yeah. you're saying staying relatively low on, on the salary front and I even the Miles Sanders pick like the difference between a, a second round pick and a first round pick is pretty meaningful in terms of cost and all that kind of stuff. Uh, the one thing that is true about taking a running back in the first round potentially is that you might get that extra year before you get the huge contract, right? The huge contract is the thing, is the thing that teams are getting away from. You, you had these, the, the Derek Henry deals and, and Todd Gurley and whatever, and teams are really reticent to do that these days uh, after a couple of years of, of handing out big contracts, Zeke Elliott, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now you're trying to avoid that huge deal. So maybe if you take a, a, a guy at the back end of the first round, then you can get that extra fifth year on the rookie contract and not have to pay up for the, the big deal and you can let him go somewhere else.
1: All right. Uh, let's get to the needle moving position. That would be quarterback.
7: Sure. Um, I said this
1: with John many a time here on the show. I I still like passer rating as an evaluative stat. I say it's kind of like democracy. Democracy is the worst government in the world, except for every other government. And then that puts it in its proper position. And I feel the same way about quarterback rating. It's imperfect. I get it. I know that it's imperfect, but it's still as good, if not better, than every other way the way you guys evaluate quarterbacks, the, the the statistics that you use in crunch, is there one that's more projective than anything else that you say, wow, he's good in this category. It hasn't manifested itself in wins and stats and other things, but if he can be this good, the other things are eventually going to line up. And then you're going to have yourself a quarterback. Is there one area at evaluating quarterbacks that you use that you say, all right, it might not be there yet, but if he continues to be good at this, he's going to become a better quarterback. If so, what is it?
7: Yeah, so uh, I'll sort of take a, a bridge first from quarterback rating. So we have a metric that we've had for years called independent quarterback rating, which is basically taking elements that are under the quarterback's control and also isolating plays where the quarterback is is sort of like trying. We're, th- we're getting rid of throwaways and spikes and that kind of thing. But we're also saying, is was the throw accurate? Did, did the receiver drop the pass and therefore we should give the quarterback credit? So a lot of little adjustments, taking the same quarterback rating formula and making some adjustments just to sort of like isolate the things that are under the quarterback's control and on plays where the quarterback is, is really like trying to, to complete the pass for what it's worth. Jalen Hurts was uh, second to Patrick Mahomes in that metric last year. Um, but to, to me, the thing that I would look for is accuracy. So we measure you know, overthrown, underthrown, in front, behind as, as potential inaccurate throws. But if you, if you hit, uh, on the money, that's really as valuable as anything. Uh, and we're actually learning through guys like Josh Allen and Jalen Hurts, that accuracy is something that you can sort of develop over time. Whereas we, we kind of thought for uh, a long time that that was something that you, you needed coming out of college, you needed to be an accurate thrower and then you can work on the other stuff from there. So I really feel like accuracy is as important as anything. And also it gets rid of a lot of the noise, right? Uh, Whatever happens with the receivers in terms of catching the ball, whatever happens with the receivers in terms of running after the catch, like all those elements are removed. If I'm able to measure, can he get the ball where he needs to and get there on time? And probably the other thing would be, we track things like what, what, how many steps do the quarterback drop back and how does that affect the timing of the play and when the, when the ball should get out and so if we isolate plays that are sort of like on time uh, when the ball's getting out, basically right at the top of the drop, that sort of thing, as opposed to those scramble drill type plays where yes, Carson Wentz did all kinds of stuff in, in 2017. And that was not something that he was able to repeat after that point. And so uh, you can only bank on those kinds of plays so much they, they get really swingy. And so being able to be accurate and consistent uh, and the sort of on time plays is also pretty important.
2: Uh okay, big picture question for you Alex and and the fact that uh what you guys do and obviously you're not a front office so you don't have to come to a conclusion. Mm-hmm. Um but um you know you you have the interesting setup and you have you know Matt and and you kind of handle as you mentioned the statistical analytical part of it uh your your total points methodology um do you sort of um when you're coming up with your formulas and your methodologies do you tap into matt and say hey what are you guys on the scouting side what are you looking for does that help you is that how you go about it or do you just say all right i got all this data and I'm looking at successful players and I'm trying to, you know, maybe work backwards. And but what made this guy successful? And what can we generate from his success to project uh or or predict the next successful player? How does it mesh? Because I think when you're in a front office and it comes down to Howie Roseman. I always got to make a decision. You might get something from Alec Halaby versus uh, Brandon Hunt, uh scouting guy, and say, all right, I got to make a decision, and this might be um, not even, like A.J. Brown. I gave the A.J. Brown explanation, four and five. All right, that's pretty easy. You know, everybody uh, agrees. Darius yeah. Slay, not everybody agrees. In the draft, if you had that kind of disconnect, how he's got to make a decision. Do you guys sort of work that way? Or is that, you know, uh, out of the realm of, of, of what you do?
7: Yeah. I mean, you're right that we don't have to make any decisions and that's why I like being neutral. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And I think it's so in terms of the working backwards idea, I find that it's useful in some extreme cases. Like when we were building total points, we, we, acknowledged that, like, right after Todd Gurley had a huge season, we were giving him a huge negative value because he was involved in running plays. And we looked at the, we looked at a a list and we said, well, that player should be higher. As a, as a starting point, that's a good way of thinking about it. But as like a fundamental framework, that's a difficult thing to do because oftentimes our, the whole point, I mean, only about the whole point, a big point of, of doing analytics is to be able to identify things that the eyes can't see. And so we're using every play, the the data about every play, and whereas our eyes can be tricked by big plays, what we remember, all that kind of stuff. And so as a starting point to say, maybe we're evaluating things a little differently. Maybe we should be looking for this particular uh, characteristic of the data to try and and help us inform how we evaluate a player. That stuff is useful, but I wouldn't want to drive our entire uh, methodology by saying Saquon Barkley is poorly rated on this metric. He, it must be a bad metric. Um, there are things to be learned from the underlying data that is difficult to observe uh, when you're when you're watching.
1: All right, uh, last thing for you, Alex, and we appreciate you jumping on board. We went through a couple of the different positions and how you guys measure it and the metrics that you use. And like, here's what the Eagle fans want to know: team metrics. Add them all together. Put all the positions in one hat. Shake them up. What do they come out to? Where does your team rankings, if you haven't done this yet on the site, then we're asking you to divulge a little or you at least got a hint for us. Where did the Eagles total team rankings metrics readouts come heading into the 2023 season against the other 31 squads in the nfl
7: so the unfortunate answer is i don't we haven't done it yet you haven't well, done we, are, damn well, we it damn <laughs> it yeah, you should
1: have told Manicharian should have told me yeah you can get alex on. but wait two weeks because then he'll have the rankings of all the teams uh, well give give us a little bit of a hint is it's... all i'm asking are are they a legitimate football <laughs> contender in your metric size
7: Yeah. So, so for what it's worth, Matt's right in the sense that we are working on it. Um, Okay. And, and it's something that we haven't really done in the past where in in the past we were trying to evaluate by saying how well did this team do over the last eight weeks with some recent performance and, and maybe some opponent adjustments and whatever, but we are building uh, a version of this that takes into account every player on the depth chart and saying like, okay, we expect these players to play this amount of snaps and, and how good are those players and that sort of thing. And uh, for what it's worth, in 2022, this is not a projection. This is using the 2022 roster, but uh, the Eagles were number two in the NFL. And the biggest question is, how much does the change on the defensive side uh, affect things and, and the difference in personnel? And I think that the good news is that, in general, projecting offense is more reliable than projecting defense. So even if you had run it back with the exact same roster, you probably wouldn't have gotten uh, the same result on the defensive side. Mm -hmm. So the fact that the offense was number two uh, is more useful in general. And then also we have, you know, there's a lot more consistency in terms of the Eagles offense than the Eagles defense. And the other element that I think is just tough to evaluate is what, with all the coaching staff changes, there are a lot of schematic elements that might Contribute to how well the team performs in the context of the, the the teams they're playing and and game planning and all that kind of stuff, and that's really tough to evaluate.
1: All right, Alex, you have successfully talked yourself back into a return <sighs> appearance here on Birds Three Sixty Five. We're gonna get you back on again when you get the overall ranking setting into the season. We're gonna do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And John, if you want to add one to this, feel free. Individual guys, I'm gonna ask you kind of like I did with Quez. What was Quez again, like? 145 something out of,
2: like that uh, yeah one be, uh, well, yeah not well. good
1: quez uh the guy we'll be asking about if you haven't done them yet will be linebacker nick morrow where does he fall in because we kind of question whether he's yeah. gonna actually be the starter for the eagles no full well we're gonna ask about him and the eagles just in general you got another eagle guy you specifically want to keep an eye out for that they haven't released the numbers on yet john
2: um I am interested to see how high Dallas Goddard is because I think Dallas Goddard is a heck of a player. But uh, uh, obviously missed those five games. So I'm interested to see where he is in the if the scouts and the stats agree. Um, at Big Man on campus, by the way. Alex said, uh, great Twitter handle. Yeah, right? I love that Twitter handle. Yeah, that yeah. is tremendous. Uh, SportsInfoSolutions.com. Running backs today gave us a little heads up. So top 10 running backs and we'll see uh, the difference between the truly good running backs and the ones that uh, are
1: Jags, just another guy. Exactly. Um, Yeah. Thanks, Alex. Alex. Good stuff. Thank you. And we'll get back to you. We'll get you on again before the season gets underway. Thanks so much, guys. Alex Vigdeman, football analytics director for sports information solutions. Now he's got me. Th- Where the hell does Nicholas Morrow fall in the back? <laughs> That's not well, I don't think and-
2: it's going to be. I don't think it's going to be good. I don't want to speak for Alex. We'll get him back. But I don't think it's going to be great. Um, but, you know, uh, yeah, hey, contracts don't tell you everything, but they tell you a lot. I say that all the time, Jody. And they didn't pay Nicholas Morrow one red cent of guaranteed money. So,
1: hmm. And I'm glad his numbers at wide receiver held up because – Yeah, when I get called, just drop the Quez things, even on the stream here. All right, we talked enough Quez. No, the coach went to bat to defend Quez, went out of his way to talk up Quez. And I know what I saw last year from Quez. I'm sorry it wasn't good enough. If you have these two highly ranked wide receivers, both A.J. Brown and and Devontae Smith in the top 10, one of them goes down. That's not a drop-off. That's the Grand Canyon. You're plugging yeah. Quez in as your number two. Well, I, I think... get it. If if the, both of the guys stay healthy the whole time, hey, Quez, we're going to throw the ball to you like twice a game. Please catch both of them. I understood. That, that's in a perfect world. But they don't play the National Football League in a perfect world. So no. I think they and, need and, to hey. have an upgrade at that position at number three, just in case, because they rely that heavily I'm throwing the football to their wide receivers. And when you have Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown, you should do just that. But if all of a sudden you don't have one of them, what do you do? I it, it,
2: Look, I think Nick Sirianni jumping on a sword, I think that had more to do with trying to bolster his confidence. They're hoping he comes back and he plays a little bit better. They know he needs to be better. Uh, they, they know. Um, will he be better? I, I I yeah I don't. What do you I'm, crunch I'm your fingers you.
1: or do you upgrade the position, John? I I, I
2: I don't think he's good enough to be a a number three uh, wide receiver in this league. Um, but you know, again, I talk about roster building all the time. You know, Alameda uh, Zacchaeus is here now, who. It's not great by any stretch of the imagination, I but
1: I should have told Alex we're going to ask about him too. Yeah. <laughs> but we asked quiz today. Next time we're going to get the Alameda on the ranking list. Of I, 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 of my ranking point is,
2: teachers. I think you can sort of uh, piecemeal it a little bit better than you could last year. The so third, I think you can mix those two in. Zach Pascal was sort of more, you know, blocking, and that's an important part, especially for this offense. We've talked about that a little bit. But he wasn't a threat as a receiver. When he was a threat, it's because nobody was paying attention to him because they thought he was going to block. Mm-hmm. Um, is more of a real receiver, and he's he's a better slot receiver. And so maybe you can work it that way. When you want somebody in the slot, you, you use Alamade When you want somebody outside, you, you use Quez. Maybe it works out a little bit better. But, look, I don't think you can create – you can – You can't, and we talked about this with Hopkins, you can't, even if you wanted to, and even if DeAndre Hopkins wanted to come here, you you, you can't, unless he gets no offers, you can't pay that position what you would need to pay DeAndre Hopkins. It's the reality of the NFL. You have to pick and choose. And you can't spend that money at the wide receiver three position. And that's not even bringing into account. He's not going to be happy and all that kind of stuff, which,
1: which,
7: which is, is real.
1: You, you and I have time that. DeAndre Hopkins going to come in here and go, yeah, I'll take my three targets a game. No, no, yeah. no, 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 no. It's no. not going to work. No, it's not
2: going to work. And I'm not even getting to that point. I'm just saying you can't, you have certain financial assets and, and you can't spend that kind of money. It's going to cost to get him at wide receiver three. You just can't.
1: We will uh, come back, put a bow on the show. Uh, We appreciate both Mike Gill and Alex Vigdeman for hopping on with us. Uh, Final call, Mac and Mac, coming up next on Birds 365. Hi everybody.
2: My name is Jason Lombardi. I'm an inspector at Drytech. At Drytech, we offer three
7: major services. The first one being basement waterproofing. The second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation.
2: If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give Drytech a call or check us out online.
4: E-A-G-L-E-S.
1: Eagles. Hi, coming back to the bow in the show here on Birds 365. Good job out of both Gill and Alex Vigdeman. We'll definitely be getting him back on uh, before the show uh, the season starts from Sports Information Solutions tomorrow. I know we got Johnny Stolness joining us from Bleeding Green Nation, and I got to go back and check his tweets if I remember correctly off the top of my head. Oh, he's a uniform guy. Is uh, he? We, we have not gone down the road of the Kelly Green yet because uh, Johnny
2: Kerr's a uniform guy. He's, yeah, he he's is. He's my
1: uniform beat guy. Uh, Ker, Kerr does uh, do deep dive research on stuff like that. I, I don't know why, but I think Stoleness is. Not as big as Kerr, but I think he's a guy who does care about the, the uniforms and the like. Uh, so I, I have been checking it out. I... They may even suck me in to buying an Eagle jersey. I, I've i never bought a Philadelphia Eagle jersey. I was given an Eagle jersey for doing a personal appearance at a store years ago, but I've never actually bought an Eagle jersey. The the, the Kelly green color they've got this year. May so, and you want to know something, Johnny Mac? Hertz is going to sell a lot of jerseys. It's, it's that yeah. perfect storm of likable color throwback good young player locked up for years because a lot of people make their decision on jersey buying because of that they don't want to buy a guy who's going to come in play that year and then be gone the year after
2: well, i always say if you're a jersey guy buy buy a throwback buy somebody buy a reggie white buy a chuck bed and eric that those those will never go out of style that that would be my advice I'm not a Jersey guy. Right. Many some, times some I've been asked.
1: want to rep right here, right now. They're as great as Reggie White and Junkman and Eric will be. Doesn't matter. Doesn't well, have anything to do with the 2023 20, You're gambling. you got to have somebody on the team right now. A lot of people think that way. But they want to think 2023, 2024, 2025. They want to have at least some safety net years going forward. I'm telling you, Hurts, they're going to sell a ton of those how how of many things.
2: how many dusty Jalen Rager jerseys are there in closets around uh, the Delaware Valley?
1: Shame shame on those people who didn't check sports information solutions ahead of time when the Eagles drafted them and yeah. said, Yeah, no, they they kind of botched. Them.
2: I'm old school, Jody. Now people have tried to get me to wear Eagles jerseys at remotes. Ain't happening. Ain't happening. Ain't
1: happening. All right, uh, they they may get me with this uh, Kelly Green one, but all right, brother, I say we do this again tomorrow. Like I said, John Stowes will be on. We'll work on our other guests. Are you in for tomorrow? Let's do it. McMullen and McDonald, right back here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Birds three sixty five in two and two.
0: You've been listening to Birds three sixty five. <laughs> On Birds 365. <laughs>